The moon was full. The spirits were talking. Christina, Kat, Katie, and Jen experienced the paranormal side of the Doty family homestead this weekend. And Christina, Kat, and Jen are here to talk about their adventure on tonight's episode of the Hometown Haunts podcast. So, would you be interested in talking to us tonight? Great. Could chat about a lot of stuff. Ah. If you have any questions that pop into your head, feel free to ask them. Sorry, did I miss? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Is it a oh, boy? it's the it's Dog. the master of the house. The master of the house. And his lady. And they're chatty. And uh, interested in everyone here. Let's see. I'm just gonna relax these for a second. So. Alrighty, can you point out to where in the room you are standing? I believe you're next to Christina, yes? Yeah. Yeah. I got goosebumps again. And the ma'am? Where are you? You're next to Katie? Yes. Thank you. Yes, Katie, you have the lady of the house next to you. They say welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hometown Haunts podcast brought to you by the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities comic books anthology. I am your host, Kat Cloco, and along with me in the shadows are Jen Kohler and Christina Wald. At the top, I want to remind you that you can find us on social media and wherever official podcasts can be found. So you can follow us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And of course, if you have your own hometown haunt that you would love to share with us, you can email those to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. We're an official podcast on the iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, and SoundCloud. Thank you, Jen. Find us on iTunes at Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Please rate and review the podcast so other spooky history lovers like yourselves can find it and listen to the joy that is my goofy voice on air. So, little announcement, very short one. Um, let's see. It is late July when we're recording this right now. Next month... August 14th, 2021, is Free Comic Book Day. If you're not familiar with Free Comic Book Day, check out, I think it's freecomicbookday.com. You can find local stores in your area that are giving away free comic books. Well, since it's Free Comic Book Day, I'm a comic book illustrator, and Christine and I co-own a comic book publishing company. I'm giving away a very small comic book. So I will be giving away Miss Gray Back from the Dead. Miss Gray is a series that I worked on originally in 2006. I am bringing back the story, thus Back from the Dead. And it's a fun, I guess fun. It, it's a supernatural dark fantasy series about a grim reaper that reaps the souls of monsters on Earth. So take fun however you want to interpret as fun. I like these particular stories. It's a dark fantasy uh, definitely PG-13. So if you are interested, you can download a copy when it comes available on Free Comic Book Day, August 14th, 2021. Wow, this is a... I hope you like my voice because you're going to hear it a lot tonight. So this weekend, actually, I guess 
Jen and Christina, why don't you pop on just for a break for our listeners so they don't just have to hear me soapbox for like 20 minutes. That's awkward. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So this weekend, we went on an adventure with our friend Katie and our friends at Spiritual Realm Paranormal to the Doty Homestead. Yes. How did we learn about this? Like... I believe it was on Facebook. Um, Yeah. I saw an ad for it. And, you know, now that we're temporarily able to go places before we all have to go on lockdown again, um, we thought this would be something fun to do. Well, we had an entire homestead to roam around so we could very easily be outside in a cemetery. Yes. And be safely distanced. I mean, in the house, we all wore masks, but that Mm -hmm. also was a lot of room in that particular house. So... Before we get into our experiences, though, uh, what what piqued your interest in joining the ghost hunt? Well, we've never I done like one. creepy stuff. <laughs> we've never done one before. Uh, you've done many of them, obviously. I've done a lot. A lot of them, and, and so we've never been in one before. So this seemed like a perfect opportunity to, and we're friends with uh, that group. And so it seemed like a you know, perfect opportunity. It was a well-oiled tour. I yep. props to them, to Ashley and her crew, because it was really well guided. Uh, they knew how to manage the crowds really well. Mm-hmm. No one showed up drunk, not the team. I didn't expect that from the team, but I've I've done I've been the tour guide before, and we've had people come up drunk and loud. And it ruins the atmosphere for everyone. So yeah, I, everybody I was... seemed really into it, which was nice. I mean, yeah, you know, we've been uh, as as we mentioned in our last episode when we said we were going to do this. I've been on ghost tours before where people were not taking it seriously at all, and you know, people some ghost tours are quite expensive too, and you know, all those people who spent their money want to have a good experience, and yeah, um, I thought that this was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a common, they they do these pretty frequently, or they did at least, I was looking at the uh, Journal News newspaper, which is the Butler County newspaper, and they announced it a lot. So I'm sure there'll be another tour in the future. I don't know when, maybe next year, but um, Ashley looks like she'll be pretty busy later this year. So, um, but I know they are planning a few other tours tentatively later this year around Halloween. And I think there was another one for in September that they're planning. So if you're interested listeners in joining the spiritual realm paranormal in one of their ghost hunts, which we, I would say, encourage, uh, you can check out their Facebook group. And that I think it's just spiritual realm paranormal on Facebook and they'll have all that information up there. So onto the Doty family homestead history. Yes, this sounds really interesting. I mean, it's it's kind of it's we're kind of doing it in memento style where we go to the homestead and you hear all the ghosts and then you learn all the other stuff afterwards. Yeah. Well, I like doing that. I like we kind of went in as controls. Mm-hmm. Like at least I did. You guys listened to the history, but when the Oxford uh, was it a uh, historical society member was talking about the history i excused myself to the very rustic loo that they have on the premises <laughs> which is where apparently the privy has been for at least 130 years whoa 
That's how long that trash pit is. Okay, I'm, I'm glad just... I didn't use it. <laughs> Talk about sure a haunted bathroom. Oh, oh no. Do you have any I have some... in there? No. Actually, okay, I did use the gentleman's bathroom because everyone, when I said, hey, I need to use the restroom, they're like, use the men's restroom. I'm like, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, sure, I'll, I'm going to listen since I've had five people say this at the same time while looking really emphatic at me. So I, I didn't even touch the ladies' restroom. I'm like, I don't want to know what's in there if you're telling me to avoid it. So oh. it was fine. But a uh, fun side story for our listeners, the type of restroom this was, was a camping restroom, which is basically a, uh, it's a trash pit being a big pit in the ground. And there's a toilet put on the top of that pit and you just do your business, but you are in a very rustic bathroom stall and they have hand sanitizer and stuff. And these are the same kind of outhouses that we had a Girl Scout camp and I found a raccoon in one one Ooh, time when I went no, to use the facilities. No, no. So no, no, no. that I, did I, not happen this time. I suspect this is where being able to use a squat toilet is useful. Mm. No, because you can step into a squat toilet as I have done. <laughs> it, yeah, at least it was clean water in that case. But okay, yeah, so I like stuffing. to go camping with running water. That's my only caveat. Mm -hmm. It doesn't you have like to, to go be glamping. Indoors. Okay. Well, no, not even that. I mean, I will use an outdoor with no water. It just takes me a minute to adjust. <laughs> okay, so we will always put you in a cabin. <laughs> yes, please. Okay. Well, <laughs> on to that. Villa with... is more, you know. Villas are yeah. Very I mean, nice. air conditioning. Yeah. You know, a TV maybe. Yeah. Some years. Okay, now around. you are getting into glamping territory. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm really I I can adjust. It just I it may take me a minute. That's all. <laughs> but but glamping is way more fun. Oh yeah. Glamping is but way more to, fun. You have to bring it all with you and then take it all away. That's not fun either. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. Back to the doty. Yeah, back back to the doty. And all right. So, so we're going to let you, yeah, you just, do your thing and uh, we'll talk about it when you're... Yeah, just you fade back really, into the shadows. Yes, you had some really interesting experiences and you know we'll have to talk about that after you go through the history. Yeah, I'm very interested in your impressions of a ghost hunt too. Um, even though I know, Jen, you've done one before, but I'm curious, Christina, what you thought. But on to the Doty family uh, history right now. So... Sources for tonight's show are from the Oxford Museum Association, who actually spoke before the presentation on Saturday night in front of everyone. The Visitor Bureau of Houston Woods uh, region, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, Ohio History Connection, and the Journal News, which is the local newspaper. So, dear listeners, I hope you can't hear the ch chainsaw that's going on behind my house okay good it just adds to the horror movie bit anyway before there were any white settlers who moved to the area the camp it the area was a camp for the local native american tribes and population originally the shawnee and the miami lived in the area but after the french indian war or otherwise known as the seven years war from 1754 to 1763 and all the 
Subsequent wars and skirmishes between the British and the Americans, these tribes were pushed out of the area into northern Ohio or out west. And I think we will be doing a deep dive on the Native American peoples of the Cincinnati region in a later episode, because it's very interesting. But our story begins with William Pack of Hamilton, Ohio, on May 23rd, 1810, when he purchased the tract of land now known as the Doty Family Homestead. Pack purchased the land from the trustees of Miami University when they had tracts of land go up for auction. In 1814, Pack sells the land to Gabriel Hutchins, who in 1832, after doing absolutely nothing with this property, sells it to Joseph Morris. And at the time, there were no structures at all on this property. Joseph Morris plays big part in the history of the Doty homestead because he's the one that lived in the cave, <laughs> which we all visited. Uh, it was the first place we went to on our part of the tour we visited what was known by locals as the cave but really what it was was a root cellar mostly actually a bunker all the fort mifflin if you've seen them uh it was a bunker built underground and he and his family of five at the time uh lived there for five years as they built by hand the Doty family house which is a brick building that still stands after Oh, goodness, almost 130 years. Local legend states that, um, yeah, that, sorry, I just read that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, as I said, the farmhouse was built by hand. Each brick was fired on site. This painstaking work took five years to complete. They even dug out a well, a brick privy, which st stood at the same place as the current privies and which were located north of the house there was even a smokehouse and a woodshed along the path to the large barn but those are now gone in 1837 the depression also known as the panic of 1837 struck the nation of course taking ohio with it and it kind of diminished what the morris family did for a living so what joseph morris did was he distilled liquor sold it in cincinnati would buy all the groceries plus some for his family down in cincinnati come back up to oxford and then sell them kind of like as a small dry goods store and grocery store in for the small community here or the community up in oxford so that's how he made his money but when there was a depression People suddenly weren't buying the stuff that he was making anymore, and they weren't able to pay back the debts that they had accumulated for being able to get the property. So after a few years, about five in 1842, the property was moved to um, the two debtors that Joseph Morris had, which would be James Rat Ratcliffe and Wales Bonnie of Oxford, Ohio. And Bonnie and Ratcliffe then sold the estate in 1844 to Samuel and Sarah Doty. Now, where this is interesting is Sarah Doty is actually Sarah Morris Doty, the sister of Joseph Morris, who actually built the property. So basically, Joseph's sister and brother-in-law swooped in and purchased the entire property and built this large homes or continued building this large homestead. Um, so, and they, all of these people had five to seven children each. So there were a lot of people in this little area. 
1844 also saw one eight, a one acre piece of land given by Job Smith to the first congregation of Christian disciples, AKA the Cam Campbellites for church and burial purposes here a 24 by 36 foot meeting house was constructed by the in, but the inside was never completed. Now a stone sits in the center of where the old meeting house was located. And also the cemetery was home to the Doty Morris Smith and post 1850, the Moore families. They were also followers of the Campbellite faith, which followed the teachings of Thomas and his son, Alexander Campbell. A little bit about the faith. Originally, it was Presbyterian. The Campbells were Presbyterian, but they argued that the strict religious practices of the church led to more division between the denominations. Instead, all denominations should give up their strict practices and join in and become one united church under the Christian faith. Uh, they also believed that Christians, regardless of denomination, should be allowed to participate in the Lord's Supper. The Campbells founded their own church in 1809 and later made an alliance with a similar group led by Barton W. Stone of Kentucky and became the Disciples of Christ in 1832. So this is the formal church that the Doty family and the Morris Smith and um, Moore families all followed. However, in this particular case, in 1905, the Do Doty Settlement Church was um, dissolved and the cemetery ab was abandoned by the mid 20th century. So also the Campbellites, the Christian church, sorry, I forgot. Um, late, later, oh, wow, I can't get, how do I do this? Sorry, I'm thinking of how to transition. So basically the Campbellites were part of what's known as the new enlightenment that happened in the Midwest in the mid 1800s, where you had a whole bunch of small divisions between different churches. And in this particular instance, the Disciples of Christ later would be known as just the Christian Church with two uh, capital C's. And they established 90 churches throughout the state of Ohio and established Hiram College located outside of Cleveland. So they are still an established church to this day, but their numbers just aren't as big. Um, as for the Doty Settlement Church, it eventually, as more Baptist and Presbyterian families started moving in, it got dissolved. And like I said, in 1905, it was formally dissolved. The area around the farm was known as the Doty community. It had a school, a cemetery, the, um, the meeting house. There was also a blacksmith shop, a sawmill, a distillery, a furniture shop, a furniture shop and a fulling mill for textiles. Because what they did was they cleansed, shrank, and thickened cloth at this this community that was one of their big trades uh in 1859 i believe it was morris doty sometimes it is listed as um a different member of the family inherits the farm from his father morris was the first son of um samuel and sarah so that's why i think it was him but they also state it was jesse doherty uh, doty and I don't know how that could happen unless it went from nephew to uncle because that was the only other Jesse at the time. So I was a little confused by the family tree. But in 1859, the property 
stays within the Doty family and continues to stay in the Doty family. Uh, 1890, Mary Doty, who's the second wife of Samuel, transfers the house and lands to Carlton Paris, who I think married into the Doty family. 1912, Paris sells it to George Van Asdel, who is also a member, a descendant of the Doty family. And in 1950, the state of Ohio purchased the land from Van Asdel to incorporate it with the Houston State Park and Golf Course. And then, unfortunately, July 11th, 1980, a fire destroyed the original barn along with all the artifacts inside it. A similar 1840s barn is brought from the Sycamore State Park, just outside of Dayton, and the farm equipment on display has been donated by surrounding uh, county families. So if you go there now, that is not the original barn. The Pioneer Barn is uh, from just outside of Dayton and all the equipment that you see within it has been donated by local families or probably like maybe bought at auction. I don't know how they got all their artifacts. There is an artifact room actually on the second floor of the Doty homestead house. Uh, we got a peek inside it, um, but yeah, it's pretty self-contained, pretty very well-maintained too. So I do want to report on some of the reported hauntings. And the fun thing, I mentioned this before the show, was that the Doty Homestead is one of those places that is always rumored to be haunted, but no specific hauntings have ever been mentioned. It's literally, it's old, so therefore it's haunted, is basically the moniker. I know when we went to the cemetery, uh, a lot of the, the members of spiritual paranormal or spiritual realm paranormal did mention that the police do patrol the cemetery because one, there's a lot of headstones missing, but two, we're not a far away from, um, was it Miami university? So, um, or is it university of Miami? I don't want to make them mad. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, any rate. Um, I think it's Miami university. Um, Anyway, so a lot of college students will go there to party. It is owned and maintained by the Oxford Township uh, Council so of, and trustees. So it, it is a well-maintained cemetery. There was no tall grass to be found. It was pristine. I was very proud of them. They do a very good job. Uh, so I will start with the Doty House and the things that people have reported happening to them there. Hair gets played with. That is something that gets reported on the second floor. The children's rocking horse will start rocking on its own. Visitors have been touched, generally around the shoulders or their head. And a female ghost stays in the second floor bedroom, while a male ghost has been seen in the upstairs hall, but won't come into the bedroom even when invited to. There's a child ghost named Sarah who likes to play with dolls on the second floor bedroom she denote and she also has been reportedly referring to the dolls as sarah's doll and a teen boy ghost has been heard in the house stating that he likes music moving to the um the cemetery doesn't really have any hauntings associated with it uh it's just spooky especially in the middle of the cornfield like it is but the Pioneer Barn is said to host the spirit of Ed on the second floor, who makes lots of knocks and bumps. He reportedly fell to his death in the barn and just came along with the building when it was moved. Also, another spirit has been recorded at the in the barn, and it spoke Spanish, 
which a lot of people are like, well, where, what's the origin? What's the story here? And that's all. Those are the reported hauntings of the actual Doty house in Homestead. It's fantastic. I do suggest you go visit and it's open on weekends. So with that, Christina and Jen come back from the shadows. Okay, I just want to say I really liked that this one, this particular ghost hunt, like the ghosts or the spirits were happy. There was like no bad thing that really you could pinpoint, not like at Mansfield Reformatory where everybody was jailed and Lord only knows what happened behind those those cell, cell doors. Well, at least they yeah. were in the cemetery and in the house. I mean, mm-hmm. the barn seemed a bit more fraught. Yeah. A little bit. Because, yeah, I mean, we, I guess we can wasn't... get into the barn in a little bit. But yeah, you're <laughs> right. We This was a gentle, a very gentle introduction into the world of ghost hunting and paranormal investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like and... we started in Saddamsville. <laughs> no. I'm never no. going there. I never would never there. take you there. I, I love ever. you too much to do that. I mean, that um, seemed like a bad place. It was. Mm-hmm. Like, this place was very, the family was very content. Let me just say that. They were very content and very welcoming. And now I will note that going into this personally, I had not read anything about this homestead. I went into it completely blind. Um, I almost drove past it when getting there. If there weren't those balloons and I just go, I'm going to assume this is where it is because this is what my GPS says. But and I'm not like barging into somebody's birthday party but uh <laughs> which was a uh, for a moment i was worried but yeah very happy everyone is generally happy there the Doty family is very nice this um the morris family is very nice so we kind of ran into them but christina what did you think about the paranormal investigation because that's basically what we do all those gadgets that we used I especially like that connect thing. That was super cool. I had not seen that before. I mean, I've heard that it's actually used for a bunch of different things besides just paranormal stuff because of its ability to capture stuff. And um, it was it was pretty neat. Um, You know, I I thought the the mag lights was were interesting. I mean, I thought that there was a lot of stuff that seemed to um, work really well. Um, I think that people that went to see it definitely felt like they probably got their money's worth because it wasn't, um, you know, I, something like that could certainly be very hokey. Um, yeah. And, oh, uh, it can. It can go to. There was a lot of sincerity. Yeah. Well, it helped that our group was very open too. Mm-hmm. like, I know some people said that they were skeptics, which is just fine um no one said claimed to be a cynic which is an outright i don't believe anything you're doing is good anyway no one was pouting no well no one human anyway was (laughs) or alive was pouting but yeah the thing so for those who are just listening in we used a variety of different visual methods for communicating with the dead and they're very common uh, we use a mag light, which is a mag light flashlight with an incandescent bulb. You've probably seen this done on any paranormal TV show in the past 10 years. And the f- what you do is you 
loosened the maglite's head enough that the coil is just barely touching the power source, which makes mm-hmm. it flicker. And the belief is that a entity is able to use that by fin- connecting the circuit and they can turn it on and off to say yes or no. And I've seen it work only a handful of times in the 15, 20 years I've been an investigator. Most of the time it just sits there dark, like a sausage sitting on whatever dresser you've put it on. Um, it so did the fact not that do that. It weekend. did not do that this time. <laughs> I was very surprised. Um, and we used different flashlights. It wasn't the same one over and over again either, which as an anthropologist, I am constantly trying to make sure that we aren't adding in extra false information. Like I want to use different tools and see if we're getting the same result. We also use dowsing rods, really old school. Yeah. Yeah. Those were nice dowsing rods too. Like Mm -hmm. I was envious of their dowsing rod game. So I was like, wow, they put in the money for the good stuff. I usually use a stick. So, um, those were interesting they're very visual so we have a lot of photos and video of me or other members using them and the Doty family seemed to really get how they worked uh it may be because um the paranormal team had been there before or as i can from asking questions deduce that they knew how to use talking boards and other methods of spirit communication because those were all very popular like water witching was the original use of dowsing rods but if they were as i'm going to say liberal with their spiritual beliefs as it makes it sound like they were having a talking board or other methods of spirit communication would have been very common at the time all of them were alive because especially the later all the young kids that were born there would have been contemporaries of the Fox sisters. So spiritualism would have been going through the communities at the time too. Mm -hmm. So not, not unheard of for them. Um, Yeah. What else did we use? We used an EM pump was used in the house, which could be why they were so chatty. An EM pump literally pumps electric magnetic fields into the atmosphere. And if you have, a quiet ghost that needs help that helps the em pump was located near the front door we were in the bedroom and then also the kitchen area which not necessarily close but they said the bedroom was a pretty hot area though the bedroom Mm -hmm. was a pretty hot area we can make so many jokes about that (laughs) but uh we won't um but yeah that and then also we used rem pods which were new you guys hadn't I said, guys, you ladies hadn't had seen uh, rev pods before. They were new a few years ago. Um, basically, for listeners, a, a rem pod is it has a electric electromagnetic sensor on it, and if anything that causes a discharge gets within about a two foot radius, it will buzz and light up. And as the discharge can get closer, like let's say your hand next to the antenna that it uses it will light up brighter and brighter with different colors so first i think is red and then it goes to orange and then a yellow and then maybe green or blue it depends on whoever made the rem pod 
and you can get tiny little REM pods, just one light on them. And my paranormal teams I worked with before would have an entire collection of them and then basically scatter them across. Like if you're, let's say we're at Penhurst and we're doing a hallway and um, entities have been known to walk up and down the hallway, we'd scatter REM pods every few feet and then we could see them walk up and down and they will cause the REM pods to light up stuff like that it's really nice visual stuff um really easy to record on night vision and we're looking for visual cues because that's easy stuff to bring to clients and say well this is what happened with this REM pod and or this is the audio I also have um I ran an audio recorder the entire night but I know my audio is going to be compromised because there were so many people that weren't trained and were talking and 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 whispering to one another. So everything, I have to kind of throw out everything um, because it's all compromised. But I think that was everything we were using. Mm -hmm. No Ouija boards were used. Somebody had like the, you might've mentioned already where you could see the the heat light sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the flare gun. That was pretty cool. Yeah, there was was a flare, I forgot about that. Um, Yeah, there was the flare gun, which, uh, made popular by ghost hunters about a decade ago and that's just a heat signature so you just point it towards something and it will show the heat um, you have to be very careful where you point it basically everywhere you point it has to be a soft or matted coated object because if you point it at metal or glass it's just going to shoot back at you and show you your own heat signature so you have to oh, be very careful uh, he was showing it right on the bed and that was going to be soft and not reflective. So the fact that we got a heat signature in that place was kind was really interesting and compelling uh, information. Well, my favorite thing about that is when I think the kid's name was Max when he pointed it out, and I couldn't find he let me and I couldn't find it. And then mm-hmm. finally, finally, I was like, "Oh, can I see?" And then the flashlight went off as a yes, and it was. Mm-hmm. I just got the feeling like she was just sitting right in front of me. Yeah, she was. She was yeah. there the entire time. So we'll start with the Doty house. So we started, they gave us a small tour of the house and we got a lot of wonderful interior interior video of the house for all of you. So if you are listening, I highly suggest watching us on YouTube because we have video footage and photo footage provided by all three of us. Jen did awesome photography, especially of the cemetery and the full moon that we ghost hunted under. I know that was, that was incredible. Yeah. Thank I you. did my best to make some, a video tour and not make it feel like you're on a ship. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, we started in the house and for the actual ghost hunt proper, we started in the first floor bedroom, which was a hot spot according to the paranormal group. Um, SRP spiritual realm paranormal and we did a 40 minute long dowsing rod session between that and the kitchen and we were talking to who i believe let me get my notes here i've thrown my notes out so i kept referring to them to the master and um ooh. sorry i pressed something on my keyboard can you still see me yeah we mm-hmm. can see you okay we can hear you so i kept saying well the master and the mistress of the house i kept saying that because i wasn't getting names but i got 
a distinct the person who built the house and his wife were the ones that we were talking to so definitely that would put it as joseph morris and his wife kazia smith morris now the interesting thing with that is kazia's mother or father was jeb job smith who gave the property for the cemetery and the meeting house so this is how those two families are related so joseph morris of course with my little history lesson he built the property in 1832 and i'm just double checking uh yes 1832 and ended up having to give up the property in 1842 to his debtors and it was definitely those two because lived to be 78 years old and I was getting a very matronly vibe from her. And now I get why, because she lived to be a matron. Uh, Joseph died about 30 years before her and they had a lot of kids, but I, uh, a few, uh, most of them died before Kazia even died. They, two of them to, to be TB, but those who, those were who we were talking to. So definitely Kazia. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. It's K-E-Z-I-A. Hmm. I have no idea. But uh, there was a no. portrait of, of her in the first room. And it was a pretty, mm-hmm. she had a pretty intense expression. Everyone oh. was intense with those mm-hmm. photos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, they had were, to they were still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was I probably the, sitting there. I kind of, uh, the photos were so intense. It was kind of reminding me of the painting in Ghostbusters where it's like they're looking at you. Yeah, it, it's just probably because she just didn't want to move. Um, oh, yeah, you are, I mean, it took a long time to take it. Yeah, she and Joseph always had a hard time and were always a little bit hard on money. Um, mm-hmm. And she had a hard life, although it was very long and a very tragic one. But she was a very good host. So she was the one that was in that bedroom who we were talking to. Um, as we were talking to her at a portion of the night, Um, we could see an indent forming on the bed in that room and that's where Jen you saw your heat signature and Mm -hmm. so did Max who was using the flur gun and that was quite remarkable it was interesting how he could see it where he was standing but if we just handed you the flur gun and you were standing you could not see it you were and Mm -hmm. I was like that's strange i don't know how to explain that one but then as you said when you asked permission suddenly you got the heat signature and the light turning on so she was a good host um meanwhile the rem pods kept going off in the front parlor and i attributed that to joseph walking around in there after he greeted all of us in the bedroom Mm -hmm. that would be yeah and he wasn't as chatty she was definitely chatty and then at some point we got a teenage girl talking to us not a teenage boy and there was many many generations of dodies lived in that house like the property stayed in the family from um 1844 until 1950 so that's over a hundred years in the same family so at some point we were talking to a girl who came forward as a teenage girl but actually also lived into her 80s so i don't know how she's related to the family um but she yeah. did tell she did tell me that we get reunited with our pets our deceased mm-hmm. pets when we yeah when we pass on so That's i cool. kind of liked that <laughs> they did give us a lot of insight because the other members of our group were really curious about just the boundaries that 
ghosts follow and mm-hmm. the rules. And what was kind of funny is after going through and reading about their faith principles, I'm like, there are no rules. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, basically between this and the cemetery, um, those we talked to from the other side were saying, yes, we're reunited with pets. Oh, hi, Chewy. Speak of the <laughs> puppy. Yeah. He's like, did someone mention being reunited? Yeah. I need a pet, a mom. <laughs> yeah. Says, I want to be reunited now. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> All right. Hi, Judy. Oh, I guess you're going to be on the show now. Hi. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Sweet baby. Um, yeah. So uh, that, and also that there were no boundaries that they could actually move around freely, um, and which kind of surprised people because one of the kind of weird dogmas about ghosts that were told talked or taught about in media is that they're bound to a location and that's why they haunt it not really the concept of really if you've passed on you can return to the locations that made you happy so and like that particular idea doesn't fly with um gettysburg or antietam because why are there so many ghosts there are they bound there or they have they not passed on it brings up a lot of questions but they do you think it has to do with like dying before their time or very tragically it could be that that like i think each haunt is special in its own way so everyone has their own reason for haunting things and now having family members that have had um, different personality disorders you start realizing that not everyone is haunting specifically like not everyone that's a ghost has a healthy brain basically and um, maybe attached like hoarders could be attached to items that we saw like what we saw in the barn mm-hmm. and so there could be unhealthy attachments to items as well it's not mm-hmm. all sunshine and roses but it is yeah. at that farm <laughs> well you know I, I, I perhaps it's because a lot of ghost stories tend to focus more on people that have had bad experiences than good experiences like you yes. have someone that like had really like the teenager that you spoke to that had really good memories mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. the family for members their- for the most part seem to have good memories even though there, there was a lot of tragedy that did happen um so Samuel just in general there just in general I think people were a little bit more accustomed to people the concept of not surviving into your adulthood Mm -hmm. you could die from things so um and very young so tragedy still struck young kids uh there was a toddler we were absolutely not allowed to talk about and I found several infants and toddlers that had died just in the main family that we were um looking into so i could see why um kazia uh kaziza oh man mm-hmm. we're gonna get talked told how to pronounce this <laughs> well, name we could, we could always ask ask ashley if they know how to yeah pronounce it. i mean surely yeah. the historical person probably does person knows how to pronounce yeah the really nice yeah. hostess of the house yeah she but she did lose um she had seven kids and own, and six of them did not outlive her mm-hmm. two of them died of tuberculosis um a few of them died younger than that only one survived her and that one also managed to make it into their 30s so 
Yeah, not it's so kind sad. of a tragic hard life for her, but she was so gracious and sweet. Mm-hmm. You just wanted to hug her. Is yeah. the Doty family completely gone? Are there descendants? Oh no, there's descendants in that okay. entire the entire community um is I don't want to say related to one another, but by now they're probably all distant cousins. But yeah, the yeah, the Dodies still are a strong part of that community. So Maybe somebody can chime from that family that can tell me how to pronounce their poor grandmother's name. Um, <laughs> so moving to the cemetery, um, we had, that was fun. Almost lost a foot, but uh, <laughs> with, the, with our We're drive. Walking in the dark, you know. Yeah. Almost lost a foot. We're fine. Um, we get out of the car and I remember turning to Jen and saying, there are 10 people standing at the crest of the hill watching us exit the cars and they and were said, all wearing black <laughs> all solemn faces it was they were all really pale like me but all frowning and watching us like leave the car and they were just all wearing different variations of black outfits so like the men it was kind of like if you saw this sounds weird a bunch of angry amish people that's <laughs> because that's, look, that's the name of the episode <laughs> no they weren't amish but yeah, you, you're but... you're looking at the time frame though that was the same style of clothes that you're looking at mm-hmm. is the prairie clothes from the 1830s through the 1860s so you're gonna have the black hats so you're gonna have buttons you're not gonna have zippers so did they um, not want us there oh no they were just really curious but oh. just imagine an entire group of people suddenly barging 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 yeah, barging <laughs> in on your family like the in one case uh kazia and her entire family are buried there like joseph morris and kazia mm-hmm. and all their kids so it's a big old family reunion and mm-hmm. um suddenly there's strangers that are not from your community coming mm-hmm. in to talk to you now they were very chatty and we seem to chat with I, I, as I stated when we were with the group, I'm like, I'm talking to a girl, or not a girl, a woman who married into the family and died young. And her husband, who wasn't nearly as chatty as she was, it was the wives this time that were so chatty. And I suspect we were talking to uh, Sarah Morris Doty, who was the first wife of Samuel Doty and the sister of Joseph Morris. She died of cholera because there was a big cholera epidemic. She died at 32 years old in 1847. And she left three kids behind, Morris, Isaac, and Jenny. And her headstone is not accounted for. Samuel's is. Now, it wasn't next to where we were at. It was only a few feet away. I mean, it wasn't a huge cemetery. But um, I believe that's who we were talking to because I got a feeling that they were connected to the homestead. And the interesting thing was Sarah had lived her entire life on that homestead or around that homestead because Joseph built it. So she would have been visiting. So basically Mm -hmm. her husband from this is me looking at history and kind of going, I think this is what happened. I think her husband bought the family homestead for her to save her brother. So um, even though uh, Joseph and Kazia did not live there. So yeah, uh, that was his first wife. 
yeah interesting um yeah so that that's who i think who we were talking to and yet again they were talking like we got into a conversation about different family members who were also um around not necessarily haunting people but just kind of following them around kind of like little guardian angels making sure you're doing okay because somebody asked about and I didn't expect to get into a divination basically using the dowsing rods of whose family members were with you right at that moment. Kind of like how I did that for you for Jen a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I did not expect to go into one of those because I'm not very good at it. And, uh, but I guess Sarah was willing to help because she was definitely pointing out things to people and we had a profound experience, what seemed like a profound experience by another uh, group member. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just like, I, I don't know what's happening. I'm just holding the rods. But well, I like thought a former it... partner or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't want to go into it too deeply because we don't know the circumstances. And it seemed mm-hmm. to um, be very touching. Sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm just standing there like, I'm just holding a metal rod. I, I'm glad we're able to communicate. I don't know what I've said. So, mm-hmm. um, well, apparently my mom's mom was there. My grandma, Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really want to go into like too many questions because it, it felt obvious to me that the other group members needed it more than I did. Mm-hmm. So I just told her, hi, I love you and miss you. You know, but did she say anything to you or did you just kind of got the feeling she was there? Well, she knows that you love and miss her every day. Mm-hmm. So that is thing. Um, it, it wasn't it was cut off really quickly. I'm going to be honest. OK, um, well, I kind of figured there's a speaking as i'm going to say speaking as a medium here mm-hmm. the spirit world once they realize that somebody is able to talk and give messages from one the living to the dead and vice versa mm-hmm. you start getting inundated with people oh and so they can get um, drowned out you can get drowned out and in this case it was that was starting to happen and then at the same time as people are starting to get like Katie got revealed that somebody was next to her that she wasn't expecting the living start getting agitated too. And that Mm -hmm. can also uh, interrupt things. So we kind of had interruption on both sides. That sounds like a cop out, but uh, we just didn't really keep going down that path because also we were only allowed to be in there for about 40 minutes and I couldn't do personal readings for everyone on a group. Well, no. (laughs) And that's why I just said what I, I did. Yeah. Um, and to me, that is really cool to be there with you mm-hmm. to see how it works for you and just mm-hmm. to see how that kind of spirit, spiritual thing just works in general, because you really don't have anything to base that off of except for TV and movies. And we all know how that goes. Yeah. So, yeah, I know one of the while we were there, different members were asking me how I was talking to them. Mm-hmm. um and how i was like definitely in the barn i just pulled out information literally out of thin air and freaked out members of the team like <laughs> i want to talk to ashley because we have to have a deeper discussion on what what i did and i 
I hope I didn't cause waves. That's just me being very anxious though. So onto that bombshell, we'll just move over to the barn. So this was yeah, the that last was probably place that the we, most angsty spot and the latest. It was we very there. angsty. Yeah, we were and there. And I was so. kind of tuned out at that point. I was just standing at a window enjoying the breeze. So I didn't, really mm-hmm. didn't catch everything that was going on it, there. It seemed like there was something definitely happening. Ashley was, uh, and, and I, I think she would corroborate this. We're not, I, I mean, they, they were definitely having issues with someone. Yeah, was, they were. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've, they've visited this location a few times. I think they said this was their fourth investigation or ghost hunt here. And they've come across a gentleman on the second floor. Now I will say, right before we went upstairs just for me going to the barn i could feel the anxiety from the second floor and if you remember before she said anything i said there's someone right above me pointing to the middle of the barn who is extremely anxious but chatty and she just looked at me and went yeah and and then she kind of prefaced that they were having a long-standing discussion with a particular person on the other side and that he wasn't going anywhere and it wasn't being productive and we'll see what happens. And we walk into the barn. Now, mind you, the barn, all the doors were open and these were large doors. We have pictures. Um, we can. Yeah, we have pictures. I still wore my mask inside because um, there's also a lot of hay and there are mice that live in the building. So my allergies are terrible um so and also a thunderstorm was rolling in so we did get a lot of wind so that did kind of also mess up a lot of audio i forget where i'm going with this oh i walked in and immediately felt nauseous which is a bad indicator for anyone who's a medium because that means the spirit energy is too dang high and um i think ashley even mentioned that it was making her nauseous and she um she did leave, but it wasn't for that reason. And it was probably because the two of us feed off of each other really well. And um, yeah, I think that was what happened. So we go up to the second floor and there is, so the first floor is all just hand tools on display. Like you got hand scythes, you got pitchforks, brooms. There's a nice witchy cauldron over there and other tools. And you go upstairs and it's all large farm equipment from pre and post-industrial age. I think the latest that goes the 1920s is what the website said. And I walk in and immediately am faced with a hay baler. And I look at that thing and go, somebody's attached to that. It's not great. And then I turn around and there's this big 1920s, I think it was a corn harvester. And I look at that. I don't remember who I said this to, but I go, somebody lost a limb with that. As soon as we walked onto the onto the second floor, and Ashley just stayed mum, and I think as Kelsey was her uh, partner on that level, and she also stayed mum, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting a lot of affirmatives on this because whenever I'm right about something, my um, hair stands on end. Mm-hmm. So we're walking around, and uh, um, I run into the spirit of the elderly gentleman first the hay baler guy the the hay baler guy and um he is not ed of ghost story fame i don't know who ed is uh we did not run into any eds but he's an old guy sweet kind of like lonely basically but 
happy to chat. And we chatted with him at the end. But the interesting thing was going back to that corn harvester. And I walked up to that and they were using the connect system on there because they had been seeing the spirit on and off all evening, popping on top of the seat and then disappearing and then popping back and then disappearing. And uh, we were using, uh, they had a REM pod. It wasn't reacting to anything. And they were also using a mag light flashlight and the dowsing rods. And I wasn't using the dowsing rods this time. Somebody else was. And we were getting answers on both the mag light and the dowsing rods simultaneously, which was really interesting. We were getting that all night, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts as we were talking about all that stuff? Um, you know, it, it was, it, it seemed like, uh, you know, there was a lot of frustration and, you know, and it, it made me think that, that, you know, a lot of times when you're talking to, um, these spirits that perhaps they're not always uh being totally honest like it's it's sort of like uh when you uh unreliable narrator was yes what I, uh what i was thinking about when you read something like catcher in the rye or something and you know the person that's telling the story is not necessarily being honest with you yeah and you get used to listening to when you listen to a lot of true crime podcasts you suddenly realize that people aren't always forthcoming they're mm-hmm. always going to paint themselves as the hero of their own mm-hmm. narratives which was definitely what was happening with this so like i said earlier i came into this blind and i'm really curious for more information like not information about the life and everything but if other mediums, what they say, but of course, putting this out into the world immediately muddies the waters too. So we're working on interesting area. So Ashley left because he was being very stubborn and not really, he was being entertaining, but also really contradictory with his statements. And she was trying to get more information out of him, And we were able to, like, she asked, are you in your 20s? And, of course, the flashlight and the dowsing rod say yes. And she's like, are you over the age of 25? And he didn't say anything. But Ashley and I looked at each other and went, yeah, dude, you're over the age of 25. We both sense it. And then it reluctantly said yes. And she, he would only talk to her for a while. So she left just to force him to talk to somebody else if he was going to continue talking, which was a smart move. And he started getting really quiet from my recollection and not really speaking too much, just a lot of yes or no's. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just like, okay. And I just spoke, I guess some people would say spoke the, my truth type of thing where I was just like, okay, sir, I've run into ghosts like you before who say you want to cross over, but you really are just joshing with everyone just because it gives, it it makes, if you say you want to cross over from being stuck wherever you're at, which is usually because of grievances or trauma or attachments to items, um, like which happens at Gettysburg and Antietam a lot. Uh, There's a lot of soldiers that are stuck there at any rate. They'll say that they're stuck there if they know they know the jargon and if they've seen the same people over and over again and just to kind of have an audience because they're bored and want somebody to talk to. They don't necessarily live 
in the moment or how do I say this? They don't live on our timeline. Time can work differently, but at the same time, it gets really boring seeing the same ghosts over and over again in the same vicinity. If they're not really leaving, especially if they are attached to an item, which does happen. I'm not, I don't know what spiritual realm paranormal, what their other investigations have brought up. So this is just my, what I got. And I just looked at him and by the way, he was about, five foot nine with brown hair and brown eyes, young Caucasian guy. And I look at him, I'm like, sir, you're a 28 year old male. You're from this area, but not directly from here. And you lost your arm to this piece of farming equipment. And that, which was ironic because the team kept saying, can you wave to us? And I'm like, really? He doesn't have an arm. How is he going to wave the stump? I guess is what he can do. But it was the most, in, if, if they knew that that's what had happened, which I think they did, they had a suspicion of, I'm like, that's really kind of mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they meant to, because it's just a turn, uh, 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 it's just a phrase, but it, it kind of salt on wound there. But he died of these, this, wound about two and a half weeks after it happened of gangrene and he left behind his family whether he was married to his partner or not i don't know i said he was unmarried he was definitely giving off a stag vibe but he had a son at either rate whether it was a toddler son which is what i got ashley i think just had a his partner was pregnant when he died and he never got to meet the child at either rate. He never really got to see his child. And that's who he was sticking around searching for was his family member that he never met. And uh, when I just blurted all this out, the team member just looked at me and went, that's it. That's it verbatim. I don't know how you knew that, but that's what it is. And I'm like, he told me like, not specifically him or my spirit guides acting as liaisons, but they basically interpreted everything to me. And I just went, this is what, this is what the situation is. The fun thing is we don't know if this is the truth or not. This could be complete and utter bunk because there is no, I looked for accident reports from that early 1900s through about 1930. Nothing really popped up. Um, it, it was nothing that matched that particular situation. It may never have been reported. And mm-hmm. is he attached be... to the piece of machinery though? And he, he comes along come with the, from? yeah. So the machinery they said was from outside of Oxford. I'm not sure. And, gotcha. and the team member also wasn't completely certain, but I also had the little tidbit of information of the person who donated the machinery was, an acquaintance to the family his family so they had the machine but he was they weren't necessarily direct family but that's all i could give them because after i just blurted all that stuff out in a mad rush of just yeah, info i remember dump, you saying all the stuff yeah um it he went pouty and even max <laughs> said he was pouting and i was just like well max is picking up on this yeah he got mad <laughs> And I've run, I've run into that quite a number of times. The most notorious was at Bellbrook um, for an event there where I just said, 
sir i don't know why it's always male ghosts with this happens i was like sir this is your history i know your history can you stop messing around with us and actually talk and you took their fun away how dare you took his fun away (laughs) and he 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 stopped communicating which that wasn't antagonizing per se but i realized it came off kind of that way Mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of regret how forceful I, I think in my head I sounded um, because it kind of shut down the entire communication. And then we got the other guy from the hay baler was finally able to come forward and be like, hey, <laughs> I can talk. And we also got knocks and stuff happening. We, sound of coins being dropped on the floor happened too, which is a really common experience with ghosts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've heard a lot oh, of I missed all of that. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. So when you have like all of these entities occupying that space, are they aware of each other? They can be. You can um, also get layering, but in this case they were aware of one another. Okay. Because the the older man from the hay baler was just calling this kid and I call him in my head Matthew, but I'm not exactly certain if that's his name or just something that got assigned to him. But um, it, he was calling him just kind of vaudeville was what I kept hearing from him. Like his personality should have been on vaudeville, which, <laughs> which really dates the old guy. But um, basically he, he thought the young kid talked too much. And- He's grandstanding yeah exactly and that's definitely what he was doing and i, mean, I didn't the feeling mean, was definitely tense it um, was very tense and i think I that's mean, why i went off on him too because i got fed up with this attitude yeah. he was giving well i think ashley was pretty uh fed up with him too mm-hmm. um, she he might does, listen to this episode and let us know kind of more yeah work. i really love some extra input because this is just my view of things and that can mm-hmm. always change too but mm-hmm. well i, I could did feel not- the tension from where i was standing yeah, I was just yeah. it, it oh that it, it was just frustration with him and we run into that I've been with um groups that have gone out to Antietam and Gettysburg and we get the same it, I keep bringing that up because we get similar young men uh, in this case even younger you're looking at 18 15 mm-hmm. year olds that would come up and be like I want to cross over but when you actually are trying to get them to do it um, they're just like, no, it's fun here chasing people and freaking them out and stuff like that. So, so it's like immaturity. There's it, a lot of immaturity. And also, if this ghost is getting a lot of attention and he gets the grandstand, like you said, Christina, that's he was craving attention. A very self-centered, dare I say, narcissistic personality this guy had. So I really love the attention. And somebody coming in that he doesn't know being able to read his entire life history in under two minutes and why he died and how he died and all that. That's rather shocking. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not surprised he shut up after that. <laughs> well, it's just so fascinating. I mean, to be able to be sensitive to that sort of thing, I'm kind of on the fence if I would like to be sensitive to, sort of, to that sort of thing or not, because it sounds like it could be very stressful. It can be if you don't know how to block out, the dead basically and when i was a teenager that was really hard that was not a skill i had and it got overwhelming a lot mm-hmm. so um but well, oh that's a great people, phrase if people poo-pooing 
people that are sensitive like that, if that's a, a, a problem of angst, you know, because you, you talk about difficulties, like, and, and it all gets kind of lumped into a mental illness sort of thing, because you have people that refuse to believe that some people might be sensitive to those sorts of yeah. things. They don't have a lot of resources to help them deal with it. It could be. Um, from the people I've talked to who are cynics or very staunch skeptics and uh, cynics, um, they've been burned by things in the world in their past and they have every reason to be very suspicious. I mean, honestly, what was I doing? I was talking to a flashlight and a pair of metal rods. I mean, woo, that is really weird. But well, that's our the, perception, not yours. Yeah. Well, I, I put myself out of my own shoes to kind of frame reframe myself. Mm -hmm. So um, I realized that what I'm doing, talking to dead people, it's normal for me. It's not normal for everyone. And it freaks people out. The fact that there was multiple times where I'd ask a question, my hairs would stand up on my arms because I knew I was right. And then we'd have the flashlight and the rods at the same time crossing to respond as I'm also saying yes, because that's what the spirit's telling me is very compelling because I'm like, look, guys, I can prove that I'm actually talking to dead people. Well, I mean... <laughs> how is it that unbelievable i mean we have cell phones and we can talk to anyone in the world instantly you know and well that's some I'm, mechanics we, versus organic thing well, well no I, what i'm saying is that if if you were looking at this technology without any context you'd be like wow this is amazing that you can talk to someone and the signals and the the thing that carries it to your phone or whatever or with radio or anything like that you can't see any of that stuff that's all there though and mm -hmm. you know you could possibly look at it like this just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there i believe you've just mentioned the tagline of the santa claus of tim allen yes yes, uh, yes. that's the is. same point it's you can have faith in something that's unseen that's the entire point of every religion well and i think i think the I, I think that if you're super hardcore uh if you're a super hardcore skeptic i think a lot of it might be that it's comforting to think that this is all there is because if mm -hmm. you are open to the idea that it, that it's not and that there's a lot of layers and dimensions and there's tons of stuff here um that's a very distressing and disturbing thought um as a matter it fact, is. that is a direct quote from somebody that listens to our show he said he said he was listening to our show and and he said you guys mentioned other entities and he said that freaked me out what do you mean other entities what does that mean <laughs> And he said he had nightmares after that. Um, oh, I don't know, mean sorry. to give anyone nightmares. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, th I think that it, there's a comfort to the idea of, of, of reductionism, you know. And, and it's yeah. not just being skeptical, but anybody that ascribes to a specific, perhaps religious, uh, even, you know, and, and even skepticism to a degree is a religion as well. I mean, mm -hmm. anytime you adhere to some super strict dogma, um, it's very distressing when it turns out that dog was totally not true or yeah that dog was you know or I, maybe it is true and that could be as equally as disturbing I, I yeah think, i think that there's i mean the way we experience the world is so weird oh. and and so singular to our personal experience um i find it mm -hmm. we're I mean, all unreliable narrators yeah we don't know mm -hmm. what what we're 
you know, the virtual reality theory could be real. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, how do we know we're not in a deep immersion video mm-hmm. game or something like that? And so, you know, whatever our weird concept of reality is, is very unreliable. We have no idea where it's coming from or what it is. Yeah. And yeah. going back to the story with reading the ghost at the uh, corn collector machine um yeah i got the basics of young 20 something died arm no longer on body died of gangrene but other mediums like we all kind of read it differently which is interesting and perfectly fine because eventually we'll get a consensus of what the story may be but like i said until somebody comes with this was my great uncle jerry and this is what happened to him we're, we're going to we don't know it's almost a fairy tale at this point so mm-hmm. but you i had mentioned sometimes they're dishonest about what they're they are dishonest because like, they were human up. yeah yeah know. yeah and that's also when you're um trying to interpret the things being said like oh just as a tip if you are ever working with a medium or somebody using dowsing rods don't ask contradictory questions one right after another because this happened in the cemetery a few times um i'm trying they're starting to cross for yes and then another question gets asked and then they go to no and then the person asking the question is like well which is it i'm like well do you want to take a second and think about how you're going to phrase your question and give at least 30 (laughs) seconds between the two so that something can happen like it's you can't i get the excitement I do. Mm -hmm. I've done the exact same stupid thing, which is why I'm able to, from my mistake, I teach you. Be patient (laughs) with your questions. (laughs) But it's just we we have no idea what the context of these responses is. And yeah. And I think that's the thing that's most interesting. I mean, I think anyone that that claims they know everything about something, there's no way they can be right. Yeah, run for the hills. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not claiming I'm right at all. These are just my intuitions. And that's that's a sign of intelligence. (laughs) I wasn't I wasn't meaning it by what you were saying. What I was saying was, you know, when people say this is real or this isn't real, you know, you don't really have any sort of uh, context to say what's real or what's not. I mean, right. Exactly. Even even like say eyewitness accounts like back in the day when they would Mm -hmm. solve a crime oh well this person saw this person commit the crime so therefore they're guilty right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. as we have grown we've come to realize that eyewitness accounts are completely different from person to person so they're really unreliable oh they're hugely unreliable right so how i used to think that well if i can see it well then of course i know what's happening Mm -hmm. but that Mm -hmm is not the case just mainly because as I've gotten older and I am driving at night and I see shit that I'm like, what is that? And I have, you know, and it's just my eyes playing tricks on me, you know, it's, or I'm tired or, you know, and so how, how can we tell, you know, like you seeing the doppelganger and I didn't, you know, I never want to see something like that ever. So, but I totally believe, huh? That might be part of the reason you don't. Right, which is fine. And I totally believe Kat's version account yeah. of what happened to her. Yeah, yeah, that, that's 
I strive to make sure that I sound like a reliable narrator and mm -hmm. do put in a percentage of error, but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. that's why, like, like I stated earlier as a medium and I'm working with the mag lights and everything else, I want things to be able to back up visually what I'm saying mm -hmm. because it makes my statements slightly more plausible. <laughs> um, and, and Cause I could do full on readings, but you could just go, okay, that was a nice story. Tell me another one. And uh, so, well, I do have to tell you after um, the one podcast we did where Amanda Ashling, you saw my dad standing mm -hmm. or someone that looked like my dad. Yeah. Uh, my friend, Christine, she came over a couple weeks later and was like, yeah, 10 years ago, I sat over there and my, your dad told me exactly what to say to you if you ever asked. Wow. And I'm like, well, what'd he say? And then she, she couldn't give me a straight answer, but, you know, it was just interesting that it was all happening at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, and then I'm really kind of curious as to why my grandma's been hanging around, but. Christine has also told me in the past that she has seen my grandmother around my family. Mm -hmm. So it's, to me, it's a very comforting, comforting thought. Like when, like, I'm not necessarily, I'm not Catholic, but I was mm -hmm. raised with Catholicism and I always found the concept of guardian angels really interesting. Mm -hmm. And when my dad died, I always felt like he was there watching out for me, mm -hmm. you know, and just you guys saying this recently just kind of confirms that belief. Is that confirmation bias? Maybe, but it still brings me comfort. So, and that's the important thing yeah. is if it brings you yeah. comfort, mm -hmm. generally, spiritually speaking, that's a good thing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I could talk about a little bit of my theory about why people hang around and pop in and out when they do. I don't know if it, anyone's interested in that. I would be very interested in that. Okay. So this is just built up. I, I will caveat this saying, I grew up Presbyterian. Mm -hmm. I went to many youth groups. I have read the Bible several times. And I am still a spirit medium who talks to dead people routinely. So, um, and have 20 years of paranormal investigation experience so anyhow so this is where i'm coming from um from my experience talking with people is both alive and dead is that when you pass away you can either continue on to the great beyond where you will you you just pass over if you're christian you get to go see god in heaven if you're Buddhist, you have gone and been reincarnated, you have choices. But one of the choices is once you pass over, um, is you can come back and visit your family. That's if that is heaven for you, if seeing your family members brings you joy, even if you're not visually participating in the moment, you can do that. Um, speaking from experience, my dad has popped in in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner a few years after he passed away, my mother-in-law witnessed that too. So in that case, I can go, well, there may have been two crazy redheads at the table, but we <laughs> saw the same man. Um, my grandmother, when I had my son, popped in, in and out for the first two months. 
and was Aww. very calming. And when I would kind of do those new mom panics going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? My grandma would kind of have this small voice that says, calm down and kind of guide me through things. And because mm-hmm. she was the mom of uh, four boys and four stepkids. Whoa. So yeah, she got, she got a brood of eight. Seven of them were boys. <laughs> so that's a wow. lot. That's yeah, a lot of experience right there. And once in a while, when I just don't know what I'm doing, I'm like, grandma, please help. <laughs> so, um, so both my, my grandmother and my father and my grandmother is my father's mother. So it's a paternal grandmother have popped in from time to time. When I was a young kid and I was living in the haunted house, my maternal grandparents popped in a lot because that house was stuffed the gills in their property and they were attached to that property and also my mom wouldn't let them go like not just a i love my mom i wish she was around or i love my dad i wish he was around it was an unhealthy attachment especially to her dad because she was very much a, a daddy's girl they did a lot of things together and the shock of losing him, even if it was 30 years later, was still raw. And that unhealthy attachment led to other unhealthy things crawling into the house. And that's a subject for a different day. But um, one of the things I do remember is my grandma Beryl popping in during slumber parties and <laughs> royally scaring my friends to the point one of them woke up one time around 3 a.m to my grandmother hovering over her watching her sleep the entire family like it was i think my eighth birthday party just bloody murder is what she screamed and her parents had to come pick her up because she refused to sleep in the house again and that ended slumber parties at my house that we hosted for uh, quite a few years unless my friends knew that the house was haunted and were comfortable with the crazy family members popping up um as i mentioned on sun on saturday music boxes that required to be opened would ma- randomly go off on their own um uh we'd hear footsteps or shadow people it was really kind of creepy over there oh, wow. but yeah um but so yeah, it's I've had members of each side of the family. I've had cats um, talking about imprints on a bed. Um, my old cat, Gracie, she passed away of cancer back in 2000. Aww. And I remember doing homework in my bedroom and because I was in high school at the time. And my mom started screaming and I run down the hallway and there's imprints forming on the bed as Gracie's walking up to my mom for a pet. Gracie Aww. had been dead for two weeks. And Canuck... That actually ties in with our hometown haunt this evening. Oh, yay. Um, I will just end it there then. <laughs> Every... <laughs> Sorry. Every week we feature a hometown haunt submitted by you, the listeners. If you're interested in submitting your own hometown haunt, creepy cryptid story, or urban legends, you can email them to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. Take it away, Christina. And as I mentioned, this is kind of a segue from your discussion about the cat coming up for pets. And this is from Steve. And it says, this kitty lived a long life, 19 years. He passed away in my basement studio. One day, like two years later, I was at the stove cooking. 
The basement door stairs were to my left. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw his tail, standing straight up like it always did, running towards the door. I turned, and as you would guess, nothing was there, but I swear I saw it. My dog, Frank, has had sightings as well. He had refused to eat out of his food bowls that were near the basement door. I moved them to the opposite side where they were. Then he, then he ate out of them again. But my pup still has issues with the basement from time to time. The kitty is still there. It's spooky how my pup will react at times. He stops, looks, and will turn and walk back about uh, two times above the, about two feet above the ground, his tail between his legs. This shit is real. That's a really good story. Thank Aww. you, Steve, for sending that yeah, one in. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of said it's exactly what you had just said. Like, um, and this was a couple of years later. So maybe he just didn't notice the cat was there. Maybe the cat's still there. Maybe it, it's I have another cat story, but I don't know if we have time for it tonight. So I think it's better for another night because maybe it will be good another for another episode. night. Yeah. But that was a wonderful episode. story. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we'll be having more pet episodes okay that sounds good yeah. yeah oh thank you steve that was wonderful and thank you christina for reading it and for everyone jen myself christina thank you for listening to the hometown haunts podcast i am cat loco along with me uh, jen kohler and christina wald i almost said and steve <laughs> <laughs> he was here in spirit he was in here spirit. in spirit <laughs> And as always, you can follow us on our social media. You can find us at Sin Cabinet of Curiosities on Twitter, at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And as stated earlier, you can send us your hometown haunts at hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. Good night, everyone, and stay curious. Bye. Bye. <laughs>